I want you to imagine this. A young girl living in poverty loses a parent. And she, along with her, her surviving parents and many siblings, are struggling to survive. They're struggling to find food. They're struggling, struggling to make it through the day. And it's not long before another sibling gets ill, or perhaps even the parents, and that struggle gets even worse. Soon after, someone approaches that parent, that single parent, and says, I can give this little girl, who is only eight, by the way, I can give this little girl education. I can give this little girl food and shelter, and I can watch over this little girl. And I'll send her back to you maybe once a month so that you can see your daughter. Often that parent, in that parent's desperation, they, they give permission. And sometimes there's something to be signed. And often that parent may even be illiterate. But they decide in that desperation to give that little girl away. This girl, let's name her Krisha, is told that she's going to clean homes. And that she's going to go to school. And that she's going to get a uniform. And that she's going to live with other kids her age in a special home. And it's all a lie. It's a lie that's being told thousands of times a day in developing countries and also, and also in places near us, nearer to us than we think. And girls like Krisha are being taken and they're being transported miles and miles, many miles away from home. She will likely be drugged, beaten, attacked, abused, and she will be suffering from untold and unimaginable things, things that we, don't, we can't even begin to imagine in our minds. Every time she runs away from the horror that she is living, she'll be likely captured and she'll be beaten worse than the last time. And the only thing that her traffickers care about is not the regard for her welfare, but that small window of time of whatever money she can make them. That's all they care about. And this is evil. This makes us angry. And none of this is an exaggeration. If your blood pressure feels a little, like it's pumping a little bit, you are normal, you are human. That is good, because this is wrong, and it is evil. And it's natural then, as we think about this and process this, that we start to feel a bit overwhelmed, especially as we factor in all the other injustices of the world, the cruelty of humankind. And then there's just the... The, the way that natural disasters also infiltrate this world. So there's the evil of man and there's also the evil of nature. And right now we happen to be living in one of those times where we're trying to process these things from hurricanes and earthquakes and, and, and typhoons and all these other natural disasters that, that are happening. And we feel helpless. What, what can we really do about it? What can I do about it? What, what can the church do about it? And what, when we do something, will it really make a difference? Because sometimes things are done that are nice and they may, may even make us feel better, but do they really make a difference? And those are questions that we ask regularly around here. We, it's good that we ask these tough questions. A big part of the Christian faith is to acknowledge the brokenness around us. That is really important. A big part of the Christian faith is to acknowledge the brokenness around us. And church... Church is not a country club for the religious types, okay? It's not a place where we, want, where we come to maintain a safe distance from, from the evil and pain around us. Church, in the community sense, church is the place where, of those who believe in the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, they gather together to worship and seek the Lord's will together. 
And that kind of church is about confronting evil. That kind of church is about pursuing healing and pursuing salvation and sharing meaning and truth and love in a world that is looking for that. There's a few hundred churches uh, today that are recognizing what's called Freedom Sunday. And it's in direct connection with International Justice Mission. And we find ourselves today in week three of our series called The Divine Invitation. If you were here last week, uh, you heard Pastor Brian preach out of Matthew 5 and being salt and light and being a city on the hill. And it was about speaking with our actions before, uh, it, it was, uh, what was it about? It was about speaking with our actions and our love more than our words, okay? Speaking with our actions and, and our love more than just our words, okay? And that's what it meant to be city on the hill. That's what it meant to be salt and light, and the theme of our series is about doing and, and going, but it's also about receiving, okay? It's about doing and going, but it's also about receiving. And we want to have this moment of where we understand ourselves that we're sent, but we're also, we're also to receive the goodness of Jesus. And so like, there's this, this send-receive type of dynamic that is happening. And so tonight we want to do several things. I want to point out the, the severe injustices like things like human trafficking, I also want uh, to highlight the, the good work of organizations like International Justice Mission. And I want to encourage you to get involved as you can. But tonight, most of all, I want to begin by inviting you to embrace the need and the power of prayer in the midst of injustice. So if last week was about going, tonight is about being. And it's, it's always one of these both and types of things, okay? Uh, but if last week was about going, tonight is about being. Now, I know you've heard a lot about prayer. I know you've heard countless sermons about prayer. You're like, oh, you know, I, I would like to hear something a little bit new. And there's something, you know, there's a part of me that wants to tell you something a little bit new. And I want to I tell you something that you've never heard before. And, that, you know, that feels good to a communicator uh, to, to, to say things. So when you hear, like, feedback afterwards, like, I have never heard that before. And that feels really good sometimes, right? But I, 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 I don't want to give you a disservice. Because if we're really serious about confronting the injustices around us, the first thing that we have to do is pray. If you, are really if you are really serious about making a difference in this world, the first thing that you have to do is pray. And if you see something that, that is improving, then we have to keep praying. And if you have that beautiful moment of seeing something that was solved and, and resolved, then, then praise God, but don't stop praying. Because the big idea tonight is that prayer is key Prayer is the fuel for justice. It cannot be underestimated. Prayer is the fuel for justice. And so last week we talked about Matthew, we preached out of Matthew 5. Today we want to preach out of Matthew 6. And the first verse of that chapter begins like this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And the second verse reads, So when you, give your, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, the needy do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you, your, your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
Now, Jesus is actually giving some breaking news to the disciples. I know for us, if you've been around church, you've heard these, these verses over and over and over. But the first time that this was given, this was like new. This was fresh. Oh my goodness, we're not supposed to do that? That's what they were thinking. The disciples were like, but that's how the people who know how to be religious, that's how they live. Are you saying that we shouldn't do that? Yes. Because what Jesus is doing is he is calling out all that false piety, all that pretension. Jesus is calling out that show. He's saying, don't put on some fake show when you give to those in need. Don't do that. And they're, they're just giving to just impress the people around them. God the Father does not acknowledge that. So they've already received their reward. In fact, this word hypocrite, which is very familiar to us, you know, we, we, we've used it many times, sometimes sadly been used against us many times. This word hypocrite in that Greek Aramaic context actually means actor. Don't be one of those actors. And just a little bit of history of language here, because I, th I think it's fun. And, uh, you don't have to think it's fun, but I would love it if you pretended that you thought the history of language was as fun as I do. Um, it's, it's actually the figure of Jesus that popularizes this concept of hypocrisy, okay? Prior to Jesus, the word hypocrisy just meant actor. And it was like in reference to, to those outdoor theaters that, that the Romans would have when they would reenact like these plays of like these battles that they had won. And they would have somebody come out and you know, pretend to be Caesar and another person come out and pretend to be Mark Antony. And these hypocrites, these actors, they would over-exaggerate what, what, what had actually happened in, like, in the actual historical context. That was their job, okay, to, to tell the story in these very dramatic, you know, hyper-dramatized ways. And so when Jesus says those religious types who just give for the sake of the show, they're like these overly dramatic actors. And that, that concept of hypocrisy caught on to, to the way that we understand it today. But don't be one of these fake religious types when they give. No, give in secret. Give when no one is looking. In fact, give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. I mean, that is completely different. Jesus goes on in verse 5. He says, and then when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners for people to, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Oh, that is good stuff. I mean, like, if, if I could make up like my vision of God, I would start with something like this. And thank God, God is actually bigger than anything that, that I could possibly imagine. But this is, what I, this is what I want in a God. A God that doesn't want me to put on a show. A God that already knows what I'm going to be praying for even before I come to him. Like that is what I love. Among the many things that I love about God, that is a big thing that I love about God. That I don't have to pretend. I can just be me. The NIV translation is, is trying to make a point to, to, to pray in secret but, but if we can dig a little bit deeper, there's this, uh, the word for room is often referred to as a closet. Because in the ancient world, the, this, this idea of closet was the only place that you could find privacy. But they didn't have closets the way that you and I have. They didn't have these walk-in closets. They didn't even have like, like the, the fold-out closets like the, you know, that, 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 that we used to have. Okay? They, they didn't have closets at all. Okay, there was, no, there was no room that they opened the door to, and they pulled out a broom, like none of that, okay? 
the type of closets, quote unquote, closets they had was kind of like those, uh, those like little half walls, those, those, change, those changing screens that we used to see in the old movies. You know those changing screens? Am I the only one who has ever watched an old movie? Okay, like, you know, the changing screens where you, where you go back behind and you change, right? And, like, you know, and, and you could probably just see the, the person's head there. Because in the ancient world, that was the only spot in your home when you, that home was filled with a lot of children and probably in-laws and maybe grandparents. And, and the, the place may have only been two rooms, but there was a changing screen. And that was the only place where you could be naked. That was the only place where you could change. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, Go to that space where you can be in private. And he's not just talking about physically, the physical closet. He's also talking about the spiritual place. Go into that place when you pray to God where your soul can be naked, where your soul doesn't have to, have, have to put on the show, where there's no pretension, where, where you don't have to pretend that you're not this but you can actually be who you actually are. Pray like that. Pray, pray behind that truth. Pray behind that type of a, quote unquote, that, that closet, in that closet. So it's not just being physically in secret. He's also talking about your soul. And it goes on in, in verse 9. And so this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I just want to stop there because I, I, I know we've prayed this some of us have prayed this maybe a thousand times, maybe, maybe more. And we may have kind of forgotten the essence of, of how powerful this prayer actually is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, let's start by asking the simple question. Is it possible sometimes that you have forgotten who it is that you're praying to? There's times that I, I think that I have in some ways forgotten who it is that I'm praying to. I mean, I know that it's God, but is it, is it the God who is my father or am I sometimes praying to God, the cosmic vending machine, so he gives me what I want or what I think that I want? No, my father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And these words, hallowed be your name, you only say them in church. You only read them you know, out of a Bible. We don't, we don't ever use the word hallowedness really in, in, much, in, 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 in other contexts. So to maybe to rephrase it, maybe it's like, God, my Father, all my gratitude, with all my love, all my admiration, with every ounce of reverence and respect that my soul can muster. That, that's what hallowedness is, to, to make something holy, to show that type of reverence and love and admiration. You're the one I'm praying to. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus talks, talks quite a bit about the kingdom. And when we try to explain it, uh, every, we try to explain it every time it comes up in Scripture, especially here at GC at night. And so if, if you've been around GC at night and, and you, know, you, you heard me say this a few times, uh, know that I just think this is really important. And so if you've been ignoring me all the other times uh, and you can't guess what I'm saying, then I think you need to hear it again, okay? So the, the, way, that, the way that the kingdom of God works is don't think of it as a place, the kingdom of God is not just a place, like this, this place of heaven. Think of the kingdom of God as a way, the way that God does things, okay? The way that God handles his business type, type of a thing. And, and, we, we, we minimize, and, and we minimize the importance of the kingdom when we just think of it as a place. And it doesn't even make sense in the context. Because if, if the kingdom is just a place, then 
if it's just a synonym, a synonym for heaven, it's not, then, then all earth is a place that we leave and not a place that we get to redeem. And that, that is really, that is a big mistake in our Christianity. So if you read this prayer, even in English, it won't make much sense because if heaven is just something that we are going to, why would we ask Jesus to bring that kingdom here? It's an honest prayer. Jesus is saying, when you pray, ask God to bring the goodness of that, the way of that, the love of that, the kindness of that here. And when you pray like that, that's what makes sense. Because as we're talking about like the, the evil and the pain of this world, what this world needs is, is more of the kingdom of God, the way that God does things here. And the kingdom of God is the way Jesus is inviting us to live. So pray for that. Another way of saying it maybe is, God, please close the gap between the way that I do things and the way that you do things. That's what the kingdom of God means. And it continues on, give us our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Our daily bread, what, what we need to live. If I can just kind of create an awkward moment here, especially for us Westerners who, who live in, in the comfortable suburbs and, and not to over-assume anything, but, you know, we, we live in a very privileged part of the world. When was the last time when you did not quote this prayer that you prayed for your daily bread? In fact, you know, our daily meals, we, we, we may pause and thank God for them out of, you know, out of our life habit type of a things, but most of us really don't stop and say, God, I, 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 I'm praying that I eat today. Give us our daily bread. Now, God, uh, Jesus, excuse me, is not just talking about our, our physical nourishment. He's also talking about our spiritual nourishment. So, of course, you know, this, this reminds us of the people of Israel when they were wandering the desert for 40 years and receiving that daily manna. But Jesus also wants us to ask God for our daily peace, for our daily strength, for our daily joy, for, for this daily virtue of blessing others. Give us our daily bread. What we need, not just our bodies, but our souls, what we need to survive. And, 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 and daily, not, not give, me the, give me the whole thing all at once. No, daily. I'm imagining this is how Jesus prayed for his own soul, which is very compelling to me, being, being, being fully God and fully man, that this is how he prayed as well. It continues on in verse 12 and 13. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So in these set of two verses, there is a whole range of emotions and dynamics that are happening. At the start of 12, like there's this, there's this profound moment of humility, right? Forgive us our debts. And, and maybe when you pray that, you sometimes feel as worthless as I do. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I have to pray for forgiveness of my sins again. And then very shortly after that comma, as we, have all, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And now that, that power kind of swings back to you a little bit. I have the power to forgive those who have trespassed against me. And like there's this, like this underlying whisper in scripture that is asking you, and will you do that? Will you forgive the person who has offended you? Will you forgive the person who has hurt you? And then very quickly, the verse continues on, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then again, that swing back to God of God is the one who leads us away from temptation. And God is the one that we can be so bold to say, deliver us from the evil one. 
I mean, it, it is a beautiful prayer. It's saying, I, I don't want to, to just survive ev the evil and the and sins and the, the trappings of sins, but God, I want to overcome the evil of this world through Jesus. Deliver us from evil. I mean, that is a very powerful thing to say. Deliver us from evil. This prayer is amazing in so many regards. And I hope we never take it for granted. And I, and I hope we've, we've refreshed it a little bit for us tonight. But I truly believe in the power of prayer. Especially as we talk about all these injustices and all these terrible things that we read about on our, on our Facebook feeds and on, online and all the things that people say to us in the hallways and, and what people are going to say to you tomorrow. Did you hear about this over here? Did you hear about this terrible thing over here? We confront all these things by first by praying for them. Prayer is where the power is. When we don't pray, there is an absence of that power. When we don't pray, we have to rely on our own human efforts. And that makes us feel exposed. When, when, when we don't pray, we, that's when we start really kind of understanding, like, you know what? What can people really do about this? This has been a problem for thousands and thousands of years, and it's not getting any better. What difference will, will, will just a few more people or a few more dollars or a few more attention, a little bit more attention or a few more uh, opportunities or initiatives or something like that, what, what real difference will that make? Usually that conversation, that thought is happening without the power of prayer, without believing in its power. And so when we talk about things like human trafficking, prayer is crucial. And as we talk about uh, human trafficking, I want to talk about International Justice Mission because they're an organization that really believes in the power of prayer. Uh, there's a few statistics I, I want to give you before I show you this video. Um, there are 45 million people who are being trafficked in our world. I mean, that is just a staggering number. That is more people, that, that more people are enslaved today than during any other part of human history, 45 million. IJM is the largest anti-trafficking organization in the world. And, and if you can give me the next slide, uh, this is some of the work that they do. Um, uh, I'm sorry, keep going. As, uh, you know, one of the other, the other things was one in, four, one in four people are enslaved are children. Um, human trafficking generates about $150 billion a year. Uh, Two-thirds of that from commercial sexual exploitation, and a child goes missing in India every eight minutes. Eight minutes, and nearly half are ever found. Um, can you go to the slides that tell us uh, what, what IJM does? As you look for them, um, they have led about 1,200 convictions of slave owners, rapists, and other criminals in the last 10 years, which is, which is a really staggering number. Uh, they participate in the training of over 45,000 police officers over the last five years. Uh, there's a great book that you could read called The Locust Effect by Gary Haugen, the, the leader of the, the, and the founder of International Justice Mission. And he talks about in a lot of the developing countries, the police force, they are just severely not trained, undertrained in, in combating things like human trafficking. In fact, a lot of them don't even have weapons. So when we think of a police officer, we, we think of you know, people who, 
you call and they, and they, they come ready to, to stop whatever needs stopping type of a thing. In, the, in a lot of the developing world, they don't have weapons. In a lot of the developing world, they're actually part-time police officers and they, they also like may, may, may drive like a taxi uh, for, to fulfill their, their other needs for income. And so they're, they're helping with, with that, that form of training um, that is so needed because when the police officers are trained, uh, they're, they're, we, we can, they can have like a safer society, especially for the most vulnerable, children, older people, women, etc. And so I wanna show you this video uh, that tells you a little bit more work about uh, what IJM does and also has a pretty heartbreaking story uh, of, of forced childhood labor. You're working 14, 18-hour days with very little sleep, no freedom. Dignity is taken away from them, and, and that's something nobody should have to endure. We had a number of years ago, two of the bond laborers escaped from a facility. And they were tracked down by the owners of the facility and, and brought back. And as a punishment for what they had done, their hands were chopped off. We would go to the government officers and we'd say, sir, there is a bonded labor case. And almost always the response was, there is no bonded labor in my area. What are you talking? How much? 30? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid. Ruchira, there's a girl who's very afraid. Almost unable to walk. This is Kumar. He was abandoned by his mother and his father was suddenly killed. Orphaned and alone, he was accountable for his parents' debts. And at just seven years old, he was forced into slavery. Kumar remembers a day where he was so ill he couldn't get out of bed. Immediately, his owner came looking for him. Kumar was trapped by debt and a slave owner who beat him continuously. He, like so many, had no remaining hope for a way out. IJM discovered the horrific conditions in the brick factory where Kumar and others were being forced to work against their will. And, based on their undercover video evidence, local government authorities and police came alongside IJM to conduct a rescue operation. The more and more we are doing these rescues, people are getting aware that people are being abused, there is bonded labor, there is trafficking. 
also the law is going to take its course as well as perpetrators go behind. When the team arrived in the morning and entered the brick factory, 15 men, women, and children were rescued and given their freedom back. Then, they were each given a certificate to prove that they no longer owe any debts to their former owner. And one was for Kumar. After being rescued, IJM placed Kumar in their aftercare program to heal. You'd ask him a question anytime, no matter what, and he would say, the one thing I want to do sir, is I want to study. He was clear about that. And then, they enrolled him in school for the first time. Today, he is studying to be a social worker, to help those still suffering like he did. And what we do at IJM is we go look for that lost sheep, that girl that's being abused, that widow who's been run out of her home. And we will search for her until we find her. That's how our Father has loved us. That's how we are called to love others. Not to search for them until we've satisfied ourselves. Not to search for them until it gets really hard. But to go after them until we find them. To be relentless in our love. quote that Brian Stevenson has. <clears throat> it says, the opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty is justice. And I love the work of IJM. I have friends actually who work for IJM and, and they're friends who are, I'm close enough that I get to call up and say, what's it really like working there? Like, give me the truth, give me the dirt. And they love working there. I, I have so much respect for that organization. I wanna tell you a bit of a personal story. About seven years ago, uh, my seminary uh, was invited to, to go to Vietnam and interact uh, with some of their graduate school students. We were invited by the National Education Office, and we couldn't figure out why they invited Biblical Theological Seminary, a small seminary just outside Philadelphia, uh, to, to interact with, with their grad school students. We don't even know how they found us. Um, the, the, the joke was that they just kind of went through an alphabetized list. Um, they went like Asbury, never heard of it. Alliance, never heard of it. Biblical, yeah, that sounds like what we want. Okay, let's go out for lunch. Um, like, I, I think that's how, how they found us, just, just through an alphabetized list. And so we, 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 we went over and we interacted with our students and you could just feel a lot of the differences that, that we had between us. Uh, you know, we were monotheistic being, being you know, who we were. Uh, they were not. We were Western capitalists. They, they were Eastern communists. Our countries fought a terrible war together, but there we were. And when we got there and as we were spending some time with the students, themes of justice for the most vulnerable were the shared values that we ended up talking the most about. 
And we end up quickly discovering the sincerity and the authenticity and, and the good heart that, that, that we've discovered in the other. And after a few days of, of spending some time in Vietnam, we ended up uh, in Cambodia as, as, in, uh, as, as part of our, 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 uh, our trip. And we spent a lot of time in Phnom Penh, in, in Penh where uh, we interacted with fair trade organizations, developmental agencies, and one memorable stop at the IJM office in Cambodia, in, in Phnom Penh. Now, it's a very dangerous place to be, for, for, for them especially. Uh, traffickers want especially to get rid of these IJM officers and lawyers because they're making life very difficult for them. They're, they're, they're trying to shut down their brothels. Uh, they're, they're trying to rescue children, and they're trying to prosecute and put these evil people in jail. So the office itself has no exterior signage. Uh, it's sort of hidden inside the city, and we were not allowed to take any pictures or reveal anything about our own location uh, because the, uh, the, the privacy is, is, is something that they need to stay safe. So after we got inside, uh, they took us into their conference room. It was just a, a normal-looking conference room. It was all glass and, and, a, and, a, and a big table. And we crammed in all of our chairs. We were about a group of, you know, 17 of us, and there was about 25 of us in the room. Uh, and and uh, as we were trying to get to know each other, the, the IJM officers and lawyers, uh, they were kind of sharing a little bit about what they missed uh, about life in the States. Because a lot of them were born in the United States and raised in the United States and went to law school in the United States, and they had just been in Cambodia for the past couple of years. So it was 2010, and we were kind of trying to catch up on some pop culture stuff. That, that, that's, that's actually what they asked us. Like, what's fun right now? What's, what, what are people singing right now? And like, it's one of those awkward moments that nobody really wanted to say anything, because whatever you were going to say was going to be trivial, right? Everybody's watching Lost right now. <laughs> Katy Perry has a song called California Girls. It's not good, <laughs> but everybody's listening to it. You know, it was, it was like, that, that was kind of our, our conversation at first. And then it moved serious, like what, what was their work about? And they told us all about it, how difficult it was to, to, to get into a brothel because everyone knew that there were people like IJM officers trying to get in and shut them down. They talked about how hard it was to convince people to let them in because they were, they were, they were pretending to be interested in what was inside and how incredibly stressful it was to bring like a hidden camera uh, inside and, and to pretend to be one of these people who was interested in what was going on inside. They talked about how difficult it was, how, how awful it was to see these little children. And they would describe like, sometimes that I have a child this age in my home. And I, 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 it was so difficult to even leave that place. And they would talk about how, how it felt to plan a raid and, and to convince local authorities that, to not just provide the warrants and the officers, but to convince them that they had to go now. Not next week, but now. And after in, in all the immediacy of that and all the urgency of that, and they told us about the raids and, and, and then all the frustration that would, that would come. Sometimes some, the, an actual police officer would tip off the trafficker and, and people, the, the, the traffickers would leave the, that brothel. And sometimes uh, they, would, they would get into the brothel, but uh, the, the children were taken by somebody else and, and, and only the, the slave owners were arrested. Or sometimes it was the other way around. Thank God the children were rescued, but, but, the, but, the, but the evildoers got away somehow. And they would tell us all about the corruption, the corruption, and how hard it was to, to get a fair, fair hearing and, and the, the, the judges that would be bribed and, and all these things that would happen. And one gentleman, the, the person that was sharing, he said, justice is a long road. It is a long road. 
And what kept them going was their faith, their personal worship, their, the, the prayer, and knowing that God was with them. And they were honoring God. And, and they, they, they took so much pride in that and humility as well. And then they said, every now and then it all comes together. Every now and then a brothel is shut down. These kids are rescued. Arrests are made. Uh, there are sentences that are passed. And these people are put in jail. And we, we have like this quick moment of celebration, fully aware that there's so much more to do. But something was shut down and children were rescued. And it was there that they talked about the aftercare kits. Now, they had mentioned a little bit about the aftercare program in the video. But they started passing around these, 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 these kits, and, they, and they, were, they were pretty sizable. And about, like, you know, a bunch of them were going around the room. And, and, and I'm the type of person, when I, when I get like, something like they, they pass out, like, I, I open the stuff, like, I look through the stuff. I don't just pass it to the person next to me. So as they were sharing about like, what's going on in their after, after care program, I'm dumping all the contents of the kit on the table. And I'm taking it all in, because like, I am just mesmerized by the story that they're telling. Because I'm just picturing the person who is getting this, what are they experiencing? So, so when I dump the contents, I, I pull out this, and this one was for a girl. Uh, this, this, it was a purple, soft, and plush robe. And, and then there was like uh, pajamas that, were, that you could tell were very modest and concealing. There were sports sh uh, shorts and undergarments and socks. And then like another little pack fell out that, had, that contained lipstick in, in a makeup compact. And, and it was uh, like some other, you know, toiletries and toothbrushes and, and all sorts of things like that. And on the back of uh, the last thing that fall out of the paper uh, it was a piece of paper. And it was written in, in Khmer, it had Khmer writing on it. And I happened to be sitting next to, to our interpreter. And she was just fantastic. She, she, and she, was, she came with us everywhere. And as the, as the presentation kept going on, I. I, I was just looking at this piece of paper, and my curiosity was just like, well, like what, what would this piece of paper say? And so I'm, I'm whispering, I'm kind of, you know, a little bit of the impolite side, but, but that's a part of New Jersey that I'm from, so I guess it's okay. But I whispered to the interpreter, like, what does this card say? And she, she picked it up, and she, she got a better angle at, at it, and she, she started to cry as soon as she started reading it. Having only imagined what it said, I, I was starting to get a little emotional myself. And the interpreter, she, she gathered her composure. And the first words on it, is, she, she, she's telling me, she says, it says, you are now safe. You are free. And there were big, bold letters just, just, just on top of each other. And then it began a set of paragraphs. And it would, it would talk about how you are safe now and you have been rescued. And you can participate in this aftercare program. And, and if we can find your parents, we'll help you find your parents. And if we can do anything for you, we, we want to help you restart your life. We want to provide education for you. And if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. Is very clear with that. Because the, the one thing that this person did not have up until that moment was freedom. And now you have the freedom to participate or not participate in this. And I, I, I just sat there just looking at this paper and looking at, these, at the robe and the pajamas and just thinking like to myself, I'm sure this person was relieved to have experienced with the contents of this packet, but this person had just been through hell. And it was great that they were now rescued, but I just couldn't imagine what they had to process with. And as I was talking a little bit with the interpreter, and, and, and it, there was a lot of religious language in, in here and talked about how, how Jesus is a liberator and, and, and that God loves you. And, and it had like a, just, just, just one or two lines on that. 
the interpreter started crying again, and she said to me, my religion just doesn't have anything like this. And, and I was sort of like in that camaraderie type of moment where, where I, I wanted to say, well, I'm, I'm sure it does, but, but I, I didn't know anything about you know, that, the specifics of her faith. And so I, list, I just listened for a while. And I ended up saying to her, once I found my composure, our Christian faith compels us to do things like this. Our Christian faith compels us to, as Jesus described, set people free and to be agents of healing and of reconciliation and of forgiveness, to bring physical healing and spiritual healing. Like that's, that's a hallmark of the Christian faith. It was quite a moment and I was so grateful that this really was the Christian narrative. It was quite a moment. Now, IJM is one of those fantastic organiza organizations that are just doing extraordinary work fighting things like human trafficking and, and other, other corruptions and other atrocities. And as it relates to prayer, IJM uh, has dedicated themselves to prayer. It's well known that every employee, regardless of where they office out of, they begin the first 30 minutes of their day in prayer. And then again at 11 o'clock in the morning, the whole organization stops and they have a time of, of corporate and community prayer. They believe in the power of prayer, which is really moving to me because they are, they are an organization that is all about action, lawyers and officers, and even they stop and pray. Friends, as, uh, you, you can learn more about the work of IJM at, at IJM.org. Um, um, the FP stands for Freedom Partner, and you can partake in what, some of the things that are happening uh, today. But tonight, as we conclude, I want to make this as, as real as possible, because I'm sure that you're inspired. And I know this was a difficult message. I mean, intentionally, we didn't use a lot of humor tonight. We, 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 we didn't try to make, make us feel any better. I mean, we're talking about some of the evils of the evil of the world. So I know, I know tonight was, was intense. But I know you well enough to know that you probably want to make a difference. And as soon as you leave this service, the realities of your world are going to, are going to enter in. As soon as you get back into the car, you're going to start hearing the call of Monday. Monday is going to be calling to you. The, 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 the to-do lists, the responsibilities, all the things that you didn't get done, the bills, the complexities, all the, all the good things and, and a lot of the tough things, that's going to start calling you. And similar to the beginning of the message, you're going to start thinking about some of the other challenges in life, not just your life, but all the things that are going on in the world. You may turn on the TV, you may turn on, uh, you may turn on, you, you know, you go on social media. Uh, somebody may say something to you. Your phone may ring and it may leave a very t terrible voicemail of, of something that is going on. And you're going to feel overwhelmed. And I just, in that moment, I just want you to remember this. In that moment, pray. Because prayer is the fuel for justice. In that moment, pray. And make it the truest, most authentic, most real prayer, not a showy prayer. God, I'm not going to put on a show for you tonight. God, work in my heart. God, I don't know what we ought to do about this or this. Will you show me? I mean, that is as real and as honest and it's a great beginning for any prayer. Lord, help me to do what you are calling me to do because I need you. And so as you pray, maybe the Lord will, will lead you to consider giving in, in, in a number of ways, whether it be your finances, whether it be uh, your time, whether it be your attention. 
You know, I, I, I do think of, you know, some of these things that ask us, some of these organizations that ask us to give $30 a month. And, and often I think like, well, $30 a month isn't that significant. But I, I remember what Jesus did with five loaves of bread and two fish. And I also remember the moment that he received the five loaves and, and two fish. You remember, of course, what he did there. He prayed. He prayed, he thanked the Father, and he gave out all of, all of this food to the masses. And it was powerful, and people's needs were met. And people knew that there was a God who loved them, a God who provided for them. And this, friends, this is the God that we worship and get to share about. So, friends, remember, remember, remember the importance of prayer. As we finish our time today, it feels appropriate that we would stand and, and, and recite together the Lord's Prayer. And could we do that in a moment of reverence together? Our Holy Father, we ask that you would hear this prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.